Before we get started, I want to tell you about my friends over at Tusk Logistics. That's T-U-S-K logistics.com. Tusk is a national network of the very best regional small parcel carriers. Again, they are national. They are an excellent alternative to UPS and FedEx, who are going to raise their rates this year. Save 40% with Tusk Logistics. That's a real number. Save 40%. Check them out over at tusklogistics.com. Hit the Get Started button. I'll also put a link in the show notes. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the state of freight with my friend Ann Renke. Ann is the president and CEO of the Transportation Intermediaries Association, better known as TIA. And TIA is the trusted voice for third-party logistics companies of all sizes. Ann and I discuss fraud and double brokering and TIA's upcoming policy forum in Washington, D.C., where they will take some of these concerns to Congress. We also talk about the TIA Technovations Conference coming up in October in San Diego. Anne is a smart, articulate, and fun guest, so please check out our conversation. So how's it going, Anne? Hey, Joe. It's so nice to be back on with you. Thank you so much for coming back on. I interviewed you, we were just looked it up two years ago, so that right now it's August of, or no, September already of 2023, and I had interviewed you July 2021, when I think probably just about the time when you got to TIA. So Yeah, we're a couple of kids with stars in our eyes, Joe. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Anne, please introduce yourself and your company where you, or your organization and where you're calling from today. Sure. So Anne Ranke, I'm the president and CEO of the Transportation Intermediaries Association. It's a mouthful, but we represent the third party logistics industry, the brokers, the transportation brokers. We call ourselves the voice of the 3PL and we have a new moniker, the center of the supply chain, because we are connecting the shipper with the carrier. And uh, we've been around 45 years. This is our 45th year and we are in Alexandria, Virginia. Very nice. So now you said that pretty quick. Not by the way, I could never work with, at TIA because I could not pronounce it on a regular basis. Transportation Intermediaries Association. So that's the middlemen. Nicer way of saying middlemen. And by the way, I hate when people call anybody in the middle middlemen because I was like, yeah, the whole world's a middleman if you want to look at. We're all in the middle of something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So who do you work with? Who who do you represent? So we represent the. Companies that have logistics arms or brokerages, or they could be themselves a brokerage. And so these are the folks who could have just started yesterday and got an MC number and registered as, a, as an authorized property broker, or they could be folks that have been in business for years and years and are at the top of their game, the sort of the largest of the large. And we are the voice of the 3PL, meaning there really aren't any other organizations that solely focuses on the issues and concerns of the third-party logistics companies. And when I say third-party logistics, you know what that is, but let's just pretend like our audience doesn't know exactly what that is. So that could be any number of things. Really, it's organizing transportation for a shipper from a truckload, LTL, intermodal, uh, ocean-going vessel, air freight. 
But we our, our members do a number of other things from warehousing to storage to pick and pack. They can really be your transportation arm. And, and it makes sense because shippers are in the business of making their goods. They're not in the business of running a transportation company. And so they really would like someone who has that expertise. And so they turn to the broker to provide really access to capacity because we know that the legacy carriers, the big guys represent such a small percentage of the population out there. The bulk of the the carriers out there are these onesie twosies up to five or 10 trucks. They don't have that many. And so we're there to access that capacity. Yep. And it's also this, the you alluded to it, the lines are blurred now. And when I, by the way, when I'm from an automotive background originally, and I ended up at a little 3PL, we did mostly less than truckload. And I was the general manager, CEO. Those titles come really easy at small companies. And I would always ask the owner, what is logistics? Where does it stop and where does it start? And so one time, I think it was in Transport Topics or Inbound Logistics, one of those magazines, they had a list of the top 103 PLs. And so on one on the vertical axis, the 100 top three and three PLs, and then across the horizontal axis, they had five categories. And one category was transportation and had all the transportation, whether LTL, truckload, expedite, they had like 10 of them, 11. And the next was logistics, which a little different, obviously. And I look at logistics as brokers, 3PLs, the the organizers of the industry. But then we had um, warehousing and fulfillment. It's, we still, it's part of logistics, but it's obviously very different from transportation. Then we had a ton of specialized services. Every industry seems to have, every industry vertical has its own specialized services. And then last but not least, they had tech separate in a separate, you could put tech under each one of those. But anyway, it was like 46 different services. I suspect yeah. there's probably 50 some services by now. And you could almost look at it as almost a catch-all. Super important to the supply chain, but at the same time, very different. But the supply chains are so different. So it's not an easy parsing. Everyone wants nice categories. We don't always get them. And fair enough. And and when we spoke in 2021, I think there was a gathering recognition of what a supply chain was by the population of the world, because we were in a circumstance where we're at home on lockdown, buying up everything that we could find. We had government transfer payments that were funding a lot of people's ability to consume and to spend. And so the recognition too, that there were shortages and raw material issues and what have you. So we've benefited as an industry because of that, because there's a recognition of the role that we play in the nation's freight and the economy, which I don't think there would have been without that experience. I totally agree. And I think also there's so many issues, and we'll get to some of them in a minute, but so many issues where we are really ground zero. When talk, people talk about a labor shortage, that labor shortage is often on the docks or warehouses, a truck driver shortage. And when we talk about new technologies, and we'll talk a little bit about fraud but as we get going, all of these, we're, you and your organization and our business is all like ground zero for these fights, and they are fights. So. That's right. That's right. Before we do that, tell us a little bit about you, and Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you took the helm over at TIA. 
Okay, so I am a Washington, D.C. native, which we're a rarity because everyone this is a very transient town. People come and they go. They want to make a powerful play for themselves and then move back home because uh, that's just how it is. But I'm actually from here. So that means I was a Red Redskins fan. I am now the Commanders fan. We got a new ownership and we'll just, you know what, we'll just cross our fingers and hope for the best. So I will say this is an aside, but I was looking at ticket prices and they have gone up dramatically as you couldn't even give these tickets away in the last few years. So again, let's be hopeful. I went to Rice University in Houston, Texas, and then I got a law degree at Wake Forest. I started out as a lawyer and being a lawyer is fun for probably 2% of the lawyers and 98% of them are just trudging through life. I was part of the 98%, so I shifted into lobbying and I lobbied for a long time. I lobbied on railroad issues, mainly for CSX. I headed up their government affairs shop for the from about 2012 to 2019. And then I went to the U.S. Department of Transportation, where I learned other modes exist beyond railroads, which I was happy to find out. No, in all seriousness, it does expose you to the wide world of transportation. There are so many really smart people who understand all the programs that affect how everything moves from passengers to to cargo to everything else. I got to TIA in October of 2020, so right in the height of the pandemic. And so it, it looks a little different now than it did back then. Back then, no one was meeting anybody. And I was talking to people like you, Joe, over Zoom. And I, I literally didn't meet our my employees or my team for four months or so. So I'm glad we're not there anymore. Yep. And by the way, uh, I think a lot of people, when you hear lobbyists, you're like, oh, I roll, right? Oh my God, you're the problem, Anne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've always said to people, um, if you're an industry and you want to make sure that the laws, that the lawmakers understand your industry and every industry has its challenges, right? So I always think that's good. We have somebody who represents us to Washington. And I think where it goes astray is when those goes from, yeah, we'd like this to, we would like the government to write us a big fat check. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And so coming from the railroad space, they didn't take any government money, really. And so I was never used to lobbying for money, but I was used to lobbying for a cause or to defend our interests. And you think about their 535 members of Congress, how could they possibly know or understand all the issues that affect us in the world, right? They can't. And so they need to be educated and their staffs are very smart and very capable, but they're typically 25 years old. This could be their first or second job out of school. They haven't experienced a whole lot of life yet. So what we have to do, it's incumbent upon us, is, is to talk to them about who we are and, who, and how whatever they decide to do can affect us. Yep. Yep. And one other thing, I you mentioned you worked at the Department of Transportation and Again, government often gets a lot of flack. I'm the first one to, to slam the governments, but oh, yeah, I, I get will yeah. say this. I did something, a speech at a university probably 10 years ago, and then I redid that with Jason Miller, professor from Michigan State. And we were talking about how a frying pan was made and how it was distributed between 1940 and then in 2040. And we did a few intermediate steps. And the highway system that we built in the 60s and 70s changed everything. It connected this country and let us have this global trade. And also the global trade, when I say global trade, we weren't even a completely connected to our own country, let alone the globe. 
And then all the stuff we've done in the ports, and I know that's outside of Department of Transportation, but our life would be a lot different if we didn't do all the things we've done with the Department of Transportation and also the Port Authority and what is the uh, Maritime Commission. So we can c- criticize all we want, but some of those things are really foundations for our success in this country. For sure. So anyway, enough of my pontificating and let's talk <laughs> about the state of freight. So tell us about your upcoming conferences. We'll hit this a few times. When's your, when, I know we've got two conferences coming up. Tell us when and where. Sure. So like most associations, one of our core sort of um, priorities and, and functions are to network. And we have three big conferences a year and then a couple of regional ones for those who can't meet the, at the big conferences. And one of them goes back to just the heart of what we were just talking about, which is lobbying. In September, so in a few weeks, September 25th through the 27th, we have a, a little over 110 people showing up to come comb the, the halls of Congress. And why do we do this? Oftentimes, members of Congress want to hear from their constituents and they actually want to understand, okay, this could affect my state or this could affect my district. As opposed to us here in DC, we can give you the global perspective, but those guys and gals coming directly from their state can say, this is how it's going to affect Bedford Springs, Pennsylvania, or this is how it's going to affect Dallas, Fort Worth. And, And that's a little bit more meaningful in some ways to them. They want to know the big picture, but they also want to know how it affects their constituency because those are the people who got them to where they are anyway. So we have a couple of issues that we're working on. The biggest one, and I think, Joe, you're probably hearing from a lot of people on this, is fraud. We have called it the fraud apocalypse. We've never seen so much fraud. So we can talk about that. We can dive into it. But that's really one of the major focuses is how, what can Congress do to help the FMCSA could be more helpful. I'll just be diplomatic there. Then we have our Technovations Conference, and that's really for the guys and gals who sort of their sole focus is IT and and how to progress their business. We've always said that brokerages make their way and their success through relationships and through technology. And so technology takes in a lot of forms. It tackles the fraud issue that I just mentioned, but also visibility, how we can track where the commodity is, where our truck is through geofencing. Also, there's incredible things that they're doing on AI as it relates to, we have a, a company that does some rates AI, which is almost unfathomable, really, if you think about it, you can really automate just about anything and or improve it through technology. And so Technovations is an opportunity for those folks, not only who have something, a product today, but those who are developing one too. We have a thing called Shark Tank, right? You've heard of Shark Tank. Oh, yeah. So it's similar in that we have these folks who are just up and coming, have this nascent notion of what could improve through technology. And so they present a case and the sharks tell the minnows whether it's worthwhile or whether it's not. And then we have a winner who ultimately could come back in the years ahead with an incredible product that gets lots of customers. Excellent. Excellent. I want to take a quick time out to tell you, you can now listen to the logistics of logistics on Wreaths Across America radio. I'll put a link in the show notes. Wreaths Across America provides informational, inspiring content about members of the U.S. Armed Forces, their families, and military veterans. Their mission is to remember, honor, and teach. Wreaths Across America succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community. 
take a listen, and please consider volunteering. Getting back to it, so we got two, two, two of these. And I didn't even tell you where that was. It's October 18th through the 20th in, in San Diego, California. Uh, yeah, we'll put a link to Technovations. That's October okay, 18th to so. 20th in San Diego. And the policy fly-in is September 25th to the 27th. So if you're going to get to that when you got to sign up. By the way, Joe Chandler, the president of PI Logistics, he's the one who recommended you come back on my podcast. And he told me he's going to be at the policy fly. He is so terrific because he always takes his role and responsibility. He's a TIA board member. He takes it very seriously and he recognizes he's from Texas, right? So Texas is a huge state and it's important to go up there anyway, but he recognizes how it's important to make that personal connection with a member of Congress. So we always appreciate him coming. Yeah. And when we talk about, let's switch gears and let's talk a little bit about fraud. But one of the things I just talked to Joe a a few weeks ago and we were talking about, we touched a little bit on the fraud thing. But you and I also talked about it before we hit record. And Joe made the point that a lot of small carriers don't understand their costs completely or even have to cut corners in these difficult times. Don't have to, but they do cut corners in these difficult times. And a lot of brokers are also not fully understanding their costs, but also again, cutting corners because this is kind of a really a bad time for a lot of companies. And we were talking again before we hit record about some of the fraud is shippers always chasing that lowest price rather than developing long-term relationships with a reputable company. (laughs) And so, and enough of my pontificating, what are you hearing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm always eager to hear your pontificating because we talk to ourselves until we're blue in the face. Um, about what we're seeing. So it's good to hear others' perspectives. But what we've seen is that there's sort of three three to four big categories of fraud that our, that our members are seeing. One is your what they typically call double brokering, where a broker has a load, takes it to what they believe is a reputable carrier. It, either that is not a reputable carrier, it's someone pretending to be a reputable carrier, or it is a carrier that's not too reputable, and then they rebroker the load to somebody else. So typically, that has an age-old issue that happens, but it's just become a lot more prevalent, and it certainly rears its ugly head when something happens. And it, and we live in the world that stuff happens, right? So if something happens to like an accident or the load gets damaged or what have you, then it's good lord, who are you? The broker says, I don't know this carrier. What is this carrier doing with this load? So there's that. There's also outright theft, cargo theft, which is a uh, uh, not new phenomenon, but certainly has has exploded. We've seen an explosion in cargo theft, along with freight held hostage. And I'd say the final one is identity theft. So a lot of phishing, spoofing, where people, bad actors, criminals are pretending to be this entity that you probably think you know, but they have it slightly different. So it's like almost recognizably that company's name, but actually is not that company. So all of these things are happening because, uh, and we can pontificate, like you said, all day long about why, but one of the things I think, it, or let me talk about two of the things. One of it is that there were so many new entrants into the space because of the pandemic, where there was this sort of freight bonanza and there was a lot of money to be made in this space. And now you have, to your point, you have a lot of people in the space and they're not making as much money. So yes, they're either chasing less freight and making poor decisions or chasing less freight and not being mindful of the 
again, relationships and technology that you need in order to sustain a successful business. I think the second thing is the digitization of freight makes it so much easier to perpetrate a fraud, right? When you had to fax people, it's really hard. (laughs) It's harder. It's harder to fake faxes than it is to fake emails and, and say, pretend to be somebody else. And and AI makes that even more complicated. And I don't even want, it's like dystopian to think about what AI can do to the space. So I guess the last thing I'd say, and then I'm going to let you pontificate is that we don't have a whole lot of enforcement. So it inevitably, it becomes the perfect crime where we don't have federal enforcement. There's very little being done on the state side. There's a little bit, there's a little bit being done by FBI, not very much being done by FMCSA. And so if you have a business that gets caught, they can just reorganize and become somebody else in in the next couple of weeks. It's just too easy for them. Yes. Yeah. And again, I'm, I, I used the analogy before we hit record that if somebody's walking in a dark alley in a dangerous city, at three in the morning and they get robbed, you, you feel bad for them. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But you're also like, after that, what were you doing walking down a dark alley at 3 a.m.? Yeah. So I sometimes preach on my podcast that when you pick a, a logistics partner or a freight broker or whoever you're going to work with, we need to vet them to make sure they're doing their due diligence and don't leave them for the next to save $30 on your next load and then be surprised when somewhere along the line you get caught by one of these thieves. And I've said it, you're not dating, you aren't engaged, you are married to your logistics partner. So vet them, figure out who they are and and work with them. And by the way, we also know brokers very often only work with a carrier once. And that's a problem. We need to develop those long-term relationships. And I know if you have a lane every week, you say, okay, I have this lane every week and I'm using Ann's great trucking company. Perfect. We've been working together for years. We are all texting all day long. I know that Ann's driver golfs on Fridays afternoons. We know all that. And then we get that account familiarity that makes everything better. Yeah. But as soon as you say, oh, Ann's the best, these guys saved us 30 bucks. And you said it at the beginning too, that right now the shippers have the leverage because there's a lot more capacity in the space. We had the, the tightest capacity during the height of the pandemic. And, and at that point, the driver really had all the leverage and now the shipper does. And so, yeah, they may be lowballing in some cases. And so how, as a broker... Do you then sign up a carrier without losing money? And oftentimes they do end up losing money just to keep the shipper contract. And that's not a really winning long-term business proposition, right? So it it can be very challenging for sure. I I was talking to a friend of mine recently and very smart guy. He says, oh, I just bought some new Hoka's. And he he always makes fun of how ugly my Hoka tennis shoes are, my running shoes. Oh yeah, I have some Hoka's. They're so yeah. so ugly, but they're getting better. So he said, yeah, I found a really good deal on them. I go, oh, he goes, we're, he goes, on Facebook Marketplace. I go, how much were they? He goes, 50 bucks. I go, I don't think you got Hoka's. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't think you got Hoka's. Or you got Hoka's that somebody's smelly feet have been in. And they never arrived. And I was thinking surprise when you find $50 hokas and they cost $150 then don't be surprised when you get ripped off and that's what we're that's, again some of this we have to solve with technology some of it we have to 
by the way, if we're a shipper or broker, we need to develop long-term relationships. Yeah. Go back to basics, right? Make calls, talk to people on the phone. Yeah. And I told you earlier that I helped a very large shipper select a 3PL and granted they have a very big spend, a hundred million dollars. So they had the time to get an advisor like me and other people involved and we traveled and we met each other and we talked about how we were going to do business. And some people might be listening and say, I only do occasional shipment. How am I going to do that? To your point, they can still make phone calls. They can still do a little bit of due diligence. By the way, you talked about double brokering. We all depend on owner operators. And sometimes that becomes like oh, I'm working with that carrier and they have 20 of their own trucks, but they have also some owner operators. Does the broker know that? Does the care, Does the shipper know that? And is the legal paperwork taken care of so that owner operator is still responsible if there's an accident? Are they still, do we know where they live? Because again, I think sometimes the double brokering is a paperwork thing. Yeah, and, and talking about technology, there are so many new entrants in the technology space that are precisely looking at all the information you can possibly collect to have a pretty good assessment of the carrier, to vet the carrier to that end. Because oftentimes, if they don't have a really good track record or it's Friday night and you're trying to get a load moved and you don't have a whole lot of information, think bad things can happen. And so we have technology solutions in addition to what you said, relationships, which makes all the sense in the world, which is really trying to combat that issue. And I'm not, again, not to be pejorative of the FMCSA, but the data that they have that they collect is not necessarily as helpful as you might want it to be. Right. And so these new entrants in the space are using a variety of different kinds of data out there to get a fuller portfolio of exactly what what the track record is of the carrier, how many trucks they have, what their driving record is, all of that stuff. And I don't think there's one single company out there that has it all mastered, but fortunately there are enough that have a piece that we can, so what our members are doing is buying various solutions and cobbling it together. Yeah. And by the way, I think Joe Chandler mentioned it is sometimes somebody will say, oh, we changed our email address and it'll be just instead of Ann Ranky, it'll be Ann C. Ranky. And then I That's and right. I look at it and I go, oh, yeah, I'm working with Ann. A simple follow-up would say, hey, Ann, I just started working with you. Did you get that email from me? And you go, no, I didn't get it. <laughs> and I was like, I sent it. Send me your email. And then I we can do some of that. And by the way, please don't blame me for being a boomer guy. Sometimes a phone call is appropriate. I know we no, all want to send text 100%, messages. 100%. Emails. And we also have this two-factor authentic, authentic, I don't even know how to say it. Authenticity? Yeah. Authentic, yes. Yeah. yeah, they got to change that. You know what I mean. <laughs> authentication. 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 There you yeah. go. And I know there's a big company in Ann Arbor right by my house that does that, but we need to start using some of that. We, we Jordan Graff's been on my podcast. I told you, every other person says to me, you need to talk to Jordan Graff. By the way, I will put a link to the interview with Jordan Graff, but Jordan and his company, what's the name of his company again? Highway, that's right. I just interviewed him probably a few months ago, and they are all about stopping this problem. I was supposed to interview uh, Cassandra Gaines recently. She's got a company called Carrier Assure. They are in the same business. How do we stop this? I just talked to fine folks over at Elvis, 
and they that's TMS, they are working on the same. So I think everybody in is working on technology solutions to prevent some of this. And I think some of it'll end up with some of that two factor authentication. <laughs> Yeah. And not to not I'm optimistic and pessimistic at the same time is that we have a lot of smart people here who are trying to solve the problem. I would say there's also a lot of smart people on the criminal side who are trying to create new problems for us to solve, right? So there's a lot of you think about the folks on the criminal side, there's so much ingenuity that if they harness that and used it for good instead of evil, God knows what their would potential would be, right? That's what we say about you people in Washington. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Washington, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't be responsible for Michigan, so I won't hold you fully responsible for DC. So I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Green Screens. That's greenscreens.ai. Green Screens is a dynamic pricing technology for the truckload spot market that delivers buy and sell side market intelligence to help brokers and 3PLs grow and protect their margins. Freight brokers and 3PLs using green screens gain the following advantages. Faster pricing for both buy-side and sell-side transactions. Pricing that is more accurate and more likely to win profitable business. Guys, dynamic pricing is the next killer app. Hundreds of freight brokers are already using it because it enables them to develop faster, more accurate quotes. This is the time. Check out green screens in the show notes, greenscreens.ai. So getting back to it, before we hit record, I was telling you something that I found very interesting. I was listening to an interview. It was Megyn Kelly talking to this forensic lawyer, a lawyer who's an expert in that. And that lawyer said, we don't really have serial murders anymore. And we don't because of phones. Um, That Murderers always bring their phones to the crime scene. Don't ask me why. They also drive their car. Their car tells a law authority where they're, the law where they're at, DNA. And then all these cameras that are everywhere. So we have more or less solved a problem that we always thought when I was growing up, there are serial murders like, oh, this guy's killed 25 women over the last 10 years and no one knows who he is or where he lives or anything. And so I think the tech can help us on this. And we need, again, also relationships can help. While we're waiting for tech to come up with the ultimate silver bullet, make a phone call, guys. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Don't be scared. You might enjoy the chit chat. I love the chit chat. Yeah. Did you pick up my stuff or was that a criminal? That's a good conversation. It's a good conversation starter with your carrier broker. I want to also talk about technology beyond just the fraud because I know you've got tech innovations coming up and you mentioned rates and AI. Please explain what you're talking about. I know just enough about AI to be dangerous, right? But All of us. All of us, exactly. What we have is companies that are using artificial intelligence essentially to determine what the marketplace will bear, right? And so the artificial intelligence they're using is informed by real world data conditions. It's not like it makes its own decision, but it's using these AI tools in order to put out what they think is the accurate marketplace. That's a dynamic pricing, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool if you think about it because- What that means is we're getting ever more sophisticated and more accurate in what in our ability to run our business. And so what a tool that is, whether you're starting your business or whether you're in the middle of scaling, 
what an incredible tool to make sure that you have accurate bids for the business that you're trying to pursue. Yeah. And I think depending who you talk to, we have 22, 25, 27,000 freight brokers out there. That's right. And if you look at the top 1,000, those are the guys who have 70, 80% of the business, right? They are using dynamic pricing. They have a lot of money to spend on that and they've developed it. And I talked to a Doug Wagner from um, Echo Global and they are able to, beyond just doing the rates, they're able to do things like, hey, that guy normally ships with us twice a month and we haven't heard from him in two weeks. Send him an email. So it automatically it starts to understand how often that guy ships and using AI and really novel ways. And we've just started to scratch the surface, but I- I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think Green Screens, been, they're one of my sponsors, so I talk about them all the time, but Green Screens, I know they'll be at Technovations. They have developed dynamic pricing that I think over a hundred other, a hundred freight brokers are using, more than a hundred now. And also they're, they've, it's already baked into your TMS. So all you have to more or less do is say, turn it on. It's not some giant technology project. So it's giving- smaller freight brokers that rather than the top one, 1000, but also they, they're working with some of those guys too, but it gives them the opportunity to get faster, more accurate freight quotes. And we've always had this tribal knowledge, we say, which is, Oh, go ask. Ann. she's done that lane a million times. She knows what that price yeah. is, but you can't count on that person being down the hall or at three cubicles over forever. And also the day after COVID hit, when we started first time on it in March, rates jumped all over the place. And so somebody says, go ask Ann. And I have no idea. I've not lived through a pandemic before. AI picks up within a few days. They're like, here's the new rates. Here's what's going on. And it's, it is the next killer app. I always say visibility was that killer app that everyone wanted to talk about. That is the next killer app. That and weather. We can do a better job with weather like the guys over tomorrow I.O. are doing. Yeah, I think what's so cool is that our, and I'll just brag about our members, but our members are constantly adapting to to really understand, all right, what's going to give me the competitive edge? And so they're very sort of technology open-minded. We're not dealing with a bunch of Luddites, which unfortunately sometimes I feel like I am, where I just like writing things down on paper. We're actually dealing with folks who are sophisticated and want to improve and want to adapt and want to change. They're not closing their eyes to technology. They're open arms to technology. And that's a really useful proposition, especially if you want to sustain your business. I think it's... I think it speaks to where the world is going when your conference is called Technovations. That 10 years ago, it would have not been called Technovations, probably. It would have probably been something else. And I say this a lot of times to young people, you wouldn't be in this business a decade ago because it was it was one of the last industries to really embrace technology. And I understand why. It's really easy to get connected and wired in your four walls. It's a lot harder <laughs> to wire across the country moving vehicles, right? <laughs> that, yeah, you're exactly right. And it's fascinating. And, and these are the sort of the old guard of the association tells me that they've never seen so many young people who look relatively hip and possibly with a, a patina from Stanford or from the tech world that they're actually coming into the space because it is an opportunity. It has been, as you said, analog for a long time and, and no, no longer. Yeah. I always say nobody's used the term like total addressable market until 
uh, the last few years. And then on my podcast, I say, I ask people, what made you switch to this industry? And they say, total addressable market, meaning the market size. And again, those people weren't, a, all the cool kids weren't in this business until yeah, until recently, yeah. but it, it, it still has so much opportunity because we just talked about this fraud. This is a huge problem. It was in the Wall Street Journal not so long ago. So sometimes we have our huge problems and they're really a tempest in a teapot. Nobody else cares. This, when it gets to the Wall Street Journal, that means the world has noticed our problem. So we have to fix this. And yeah, and I think there are so many new technologies that are coming in. And I think I say this all the time. The transportation management systems used to be looked at the silver bullet. Yep, we will solve everything with this cool TMS. Now all the TMS, transportation management systems, are like a framework that connect all these new platforms and techs, yeah. we'll call them apps, whatever you want. They plug right in. And that's the green screens of the world. That's the Project 44, the Tomorrow IO. All of these things plug in right now and... It makes these transportation, it, it turbocharges these things. And that's exactly what we need. Also, let's talk about the technology. The implementations are so much easier now. Before we say, Ann, you really need this technology. You're like, yeah, but I don't want to ruin my life for the next year while we implement it. <laughs> I have a friend who yeah. sold his boss. This is the last DRP we will implement. He's at a big automotive company. He's vice president. He goes, this is the last one. I will retire if you ask me to do another one. That's hilarious. Yeah, now it's like an, an integration is is like a nothing burner, right? I mean, everyone with the APIs that they have, it's really, it's so changed. Yep, yep. So anyway, let's wrap this up by you telling us one more time where we should be on October 18th and September 25th. <laughs> Sure. So September 25th to the 27th, sign up now before it's too late. We're going to lobby the Hill in Washington, D.C. And what a great opportunity. Whether you like Congress or hate Congress, you got to talk to Congress, right? They exist. They, they have a very critical role and they pass laws with or without you. So you got to be there. And then October 18th through the 20th, we'll be in San Diego, California, looking at the latest and greatest in technology that affects the third-party logistics industry. It will be really fun and fascinating. Yep. And who's the sweet spot for TIA? Who joins that organization? So as I said, it's someone who could have just started and turned on the lights and bought a phone yesterday to, and got their registered as a broker with the FMCSA, or it could be someone who has uh, been in the business for years and is so far scaled, you don't even use the word scale anymore. We we have and everything in between. Fascinatingly enough, 80% of our uh, members' gross uh, annual revenue is below $15 million. So we do really have a lot of small businesses, which is wonderful because that means it makes an impact and you can get involved in a business like that. The, the barriers to entry are fairly low. It's it's exciting. So what's the value to joining? Why do they join besides the conferences? So we have a four-legged stool. Networking is one where you actually, we have a very generous group of members who actually share sort of good stories, bad stories, everything that they've learned at these networking events. You get to grow and understand the business and the industry by being exposed to so much. We have education. We actually have accredited education. We're looking for a national accreditation. We have a state 
the state of Virginia has accredited our education programs. And so that's another sort of a demonstration of our brokerage folks striving to be excellent as they do and learning as much as they can about the mode that they're operating in or how to be a better broker or what to do with a legal challenge, all of the above. We have advocacy. So the fly-in that we just talked about, we go on Capitol Hill and we talk to the FMCSA. And then we have our member services, whether it's providing the companies that, that give us bonds. We have our TIA bond program. We have our TIA watchdog, which you can vet carriers on that just by reading reports about what experiences your members have been through. And we really try to be the resource for our third-party logistics friends. Yeah, it's interesting. We just talked about fraud. That probably wasn't on your radar two years ago because it wasn't a huge problem. Now, all of a sudden, you guys are talking about it and going to talk to our overlords in Washington about it. Yeah, I will say this. Chris Burroughs, who is our VP of Government Affairs, back in 2012, we got the definition of a broker to be written into law because there were already people who were essentially perpetrating frauds in this space already 11 years ago. So this has been of longstanding and we're very grateful that we have such incredible resources at our disposal to, to really educate people about. Excellent, excellent. And I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, people who are killing it in our space. Who else should I interview? I'm going to give you two because I like to hedge my bets. <laughs> okay. Spencer Tenney. All right. I think he's really a smart guy who's got his pulse on the financial side of the industry. And then Ryan Schreiber, who I think is is so fun and kind and smart, who, who really has his pulse on the industry writ large. You, you attorneys stick together. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would love Nobody to. Nobody likes this, that's why. No, I, everyone loves Ryan and and Spencer's been, a, both of them have been on my podcast and I would love to interview okay. them both again. They're both brilliant people. And Ryan always has new insights on the business, but also so does Spencer because he does that mergers and acquisitions. And that is so important these days because there's always people looking to exit and there's always companies looking to grow their business by buying somebody else up. I'd love to. So we already asked you what conferences we'll be at, see you at, and we'll see you at Technovations in San Diego, and we'll see you at the Policy Fly in September in DC. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast, Ann. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate being a repeat customer. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.